0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I want to say is about two years in the making. I've got Ashley. Ashley, how's it going?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Pretty good. And just so I don't butcher it, uh, how do you say your last name? I know you've, I've asked millions of times Givada. already. a. Awesome. Um, so, a little backstory real quick. Um, I remember I ran into you, I think, was it like March April of 2018 when the podcast was just going and it's third season or second season, excuse me. And um we had talked dodgeball for like an hour and a half and I just kept thinking in the back of my mind, like this could have been an episode very easily. And oh, yeah. Finally uh, finally, finally making it happen. So thanks so much for for hopping yeah. on. And let's just uh I guess we'll just start with like what do we know about you right now. So what what team are you best known for currently?
1: I'm play on Venom, which is uh, my women's team on the east. Nice.
0: And also, um, is it formally now or it's Team Mexico, right? You played this past season, or this past uh, yeah. series? I played on Team Mexico. Gotcha.
1: I forget to mention that one.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I mean, it's it's a no big deal <laughs> or anything. So, and then, um, I mean, that that doesn't even begin to explain your dodgeball career. I mean, going back from. Um, when we used to play in the same Phoenix Dodgeball League, which it was uh, Seven Deadly Sins, right? That's where...
1: Right. I think that was my first... What am I... No, not my first COA team, but definitely my first COA team in Phoenix Dodgeball. And then I played for Delta Delta Die, both in the league, and then when we went to like local tournaments, I think it was Grand Canyon games or something like that.
0: Oh man. Yeah, the Grand Canyon State games. Those were God, people miss those. Um Yeah, so I mean you've been playing for quite a while now. Um I would say what, ten years is, is when I think I saw you and, and Seven Deadly. Yes. Twenty eleven.
1: Yes. I was nineteen when I started. Man,
0: to be young again. Um
1: I was a baby.
0: Yeah, it definitely wasn't. I was still pretty old back then. But uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into like some more of your history and, and stuff like that. But um, what what's your uh, what's your current number?
1: I use number 14.
0: And what's the uh, significance of that?
1: Three seems to be taken a lot. <clears throat> and in my sorority that I'm in, I was um, I fell at, at, like assigned number 14 within the chapter. So um, four minus one is three. So that's kind Of just worked out and just to keep everything consistent,
0: that's how I kept 14. Oh, okay, interesting, huh? All right, and um, I'm sorry, what was the significance of, of three again? That was the assignment number, that's
1: my favorite number, it's always oh, it's just, my favorite.
0: Number. Oh, and any reason in particular, or um,
1: uh, I don't know, I think I was just drawn to it, yeah, really don't remember why, I just like the number three.
0: I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, I was always drawn to the number eight for some crazy reason. So, I mean, I guess numbers pick you sometimes, but, um, so you started in Arizona. Um, you currently live in New York, right? Correct. New York city or like where exactly in New York?
1: Yes. You would say New York city. I'm in Brooklyn,
0: Brooklyn. Okay. Definitely want to talk about the dodgeball scene out there and, and how uh, the Southwest and West Coast and East uh, compare. And we'll, we'll definitely get to that later. But um, so you moved to New York, what? I want to say like a couple of years ago? Fairly, yes, fairly recently? Yes. Two,
1: two and a half years ago.
0: And before that, you were in LA for another couple of years?
1: I was there for two years. Two
0: yeah. years. And then um, Phoenix, Arizona. Were you born and raised here in Arizona? Or
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm originally from Arizona, born and raised there.
0: Gotcha kind of curious so like why why new york of all places um
1: uh i've always wanted to live in new york it's been like a dream of mine since i was a kid really yeah but i got to la first
0: (laughs) yeah i've always questioned like what it's like to go from the desert with all this space um forgetting the the whole heat aspect and then moving to like these these big huge cities that are boxes what's that
1: Huge cities with like tiny shoe boxes for rooms.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how you guys do it. Like I, 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 My hat's off to anybody that can live in gigantic cities like that. They can put up with uh, small space and, and bad parking and I, I can't do it. But um, I guess what we'll do is we'll, we'll kind of go back to your Arizona days. So you said you were 19 um, when you first started playing dodgeball. What, what got you into it?
1: Um, I was actually asked to sub. So I used to do color guard in high school you know the girls with the flags Mm -hmm. in the marching band yep um i did that like my last two years of high school um and my color ground instructor she played in the um arizona social league what was it called
0: uh az dodgeball
1: yeah az dodgeball no way and um they needed a girl and um i always got asked to sub on or on teams like whatever sport it was and so she called me up and I was like sure I'll play dodgeball that sounds fun Man. and um that's how I got into it and then I got asked to sub again the next week and then I think um I forget maybe I played till the end of the season and at the end of the season at the after bar at the awards um they uh, a bunch of people were talking about Phoenix dodgeball trying starting to recruit me there because now looking back on it it's always we're always recruiting women <laughs> especially if they're athletic so i got got you
0: yeah, got got that's awesome man AZ dodgeball i was i was wondering if that would come up so that's already two things that just really take me back like grand canyon state games and easy dodgeball um what was the name of the instructor uh, who was she do you remember
1: allison, allison terry she's married now so it's she has a different last name but yeah her name was allison um, she didn't play competitively at all. I think she was one of those that just played um, for fun for the social aspect. And I think she, I don't know when she stopped playing um, because I played maybe three or four seasons max combined with AZ dodgeball and Phoenix dodgeball. Cause I was in college at the time and I really wanted to finish school. So I stopped playing for a while.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. Having priorities and whatnot. Some people have a hard time with that with dodgeball um, speaking for myself. So what, um, you said you got, God, what, what was, I mean, what, what was it about dodgeball that that got you, that they got you hooked?
1: Um, it was just, it was different. It was fun. I, I think it was just the people in general. There was just like a good group of people that I think still play now and they've like grown up and had families for the most part. Like, right. I just remember just really fun people to hang around. Um, and then, I don't know, I have like little moments where I'd get like a certain catch or it was most, I was mostly a catcher back then. So like when I got like good catches and people would like cheer me on, like that, like feeling was kind of cool.
0: <laughs> so just people recognizing that you had some talent and some skill and then people trying to, you know, go out of their way to recruit you because um, seven deadly sins. So for a little, for people that may not know, they, in 2009, you had it was like angels of death and the renegades. And then sometimes team evil from Arizona would go to Vegas and play. And then in 2010 you ended up having rampage, uh, monsoon, um, renegades still played angels of death and seven deadly sins was like the fifth team. Um, trying to, I don't want to say like take dodgeball more ser- seriously, but be more competitive. So you know, I have people like Troy Summerall like trying to recruit you and, and so that, that kind of helped like establish the dodgeball passion i guess for lack of better words then or like made you realize like yeah, i think I, I, wasn't, doing.
1: I wasn't playing competitive really then because even when i went to the grand canyon state games for me it was just like oh this team just needs someone else like i never like thought that i was actually part of the team in a way i was just thought i was kind of just pulled there playing at a tournament like i didn't really think anything of it right um but so, I didn't really find it that competitive because it was just the same people we played with in the league. So, in my mind, it was just like somewhere else to play dodgeball with the same people. Gotcha. Um, so, when I really got into tournaments, I think was after when I went to when I um, started playing again in 2013. Um, and I started playing, that's when the NDO league started with. So, I started playing with foam.
0: Okay. So, 2013. So, that's
1: and like around that time, that's when I really wanted to get. More competitive with it because I had more time.
0: Was it um, was it diff- difficult for you to transition from rubber to, to foam? Because that's when 2013 I feel is like when foam really started to like become more of a thing with the NDO.
1: Yeah, um, it had been like three years since I played, so for me it wasn't really a big difference. Um, but it did feel kind of I do remember always like struggling to find a way to grip 8.5 balls to throw them, but it felt really nice to be able to like, know that I could whip like a foam ball. Um My throw wasn't like accurate at all back then or that strong even, but it like felt better that I could actually throw it a little bit harder than 8.5. Gotcha.
0: It yeah, can be a little more offensive. Um Yeah. One thing I, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but one thing that really stood out in my memory of you was um I was refing. Uh, you're either, I think you're a Delta Delta die. I was reffing the women's division. And I just noticed that you were like fearless. Like you were just constantly at the line, um, yelling at your other teammates to, to advance and like trying to coordinate throws and plays and just having like this really awesome initiative that, um, I didn't really expect to see from like a a quasi new player. Um, trying to name drop some of the the players back then, you know, like Katie Evans, or I guess she was Katie Evans at the time. Uh, Katie Sanchez, Jackie Thomas, um, you know, those people have been around for a long time, but seeing you just take initiative like that was really awesome. And I was like, oh man, I hope somebody really picks this girl up because she's like, she's got the, like, the competitive drive. And like we said earlier, you know, people really want women to play, especially in Arizona. So, um, that was one of the, like the first memories where you actually stood out. It was, it was really cool. Um, total nerd moment there, but, um, definitely want to get into yeah,
1: very competitive. So I don't doubt that one bit.
0: So that, that's actually perfect. So, what did, I mean, what kind of, did you play any of the sports growing up? Um, you mentioned color guard, which, I mean, that was like, is that, yeah, you, I started you off in marching right? band
1: before I did color guard. Um, I did, like, I started playing sports, I would say six, around sixth grade, because I wanted to try out for, I tried out for actually both cheerleading and basketball. And thank God I didn't make the cheerleading squad because I made the basketball team. Huh. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> that kind of started my whole drive for sports um yeah so I'd like basketball mostly I'd play like at lunchtime um and I really liked PE so like I think in high school was or junior high and high school is where you really start playing like volleyball and doing track and stuff like that so like I, I I know PE was one of my favorite classes um so that's kind of when I played sports is like just school teams like that. Um, and then when I got to college, I would I did like intramural flag football. Um, that was it, I think, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Marching band, huh? What, what instrument did you play?
1: I played clarinet.
0: Clarin- I, actually, I was going to guess clarinet. Um, I should have guessed first. In
1: fact, it. my freshman year, my high school went to the super, uh, the festival. <laughs> Oh, nice! But he got
0: like third place that year. Man, so having flashbacks of like band day and all this other stuff. Um,
1: yeah, um, I'm a nerd.
0: Oh, no, yeah, I, I was too. Recovering band nerd. Um Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm tuning those memories out. Like, nope, moved on. Um, <laughs> so you said you played all these like additional sports. Um, did any of them like help you with dodgeball that you can recall?
1: Um. So I was on an intramural flag football team in college um, right around the time I started playing dodgeball. And I actually liked playing the quarterback position during, usually with co-ed flag football, they have at least one of the one of the uh, plays has to be to either thrown to a girl or a girl has to throw it. Um, So that's around the time that I started thinking that I had like started developing just like throwing in general.
0: Okay. So just having to, um, adapt to like a football and playing quarterback kind of helped you just get used to chucking balls at people pretty much.
1: Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Nice. What's it like when like the point is to actually hit them? Like, like you don't want them to catch you. Like you're, you're trying to hit somebody over and over and over again versus all these conventional sports where you're not necessarily doing that. Like did that, like that—that's—I that, feel like that's still like the wildest thing in the world is. Just uh, the point of this game is to hit people, like, and, that, and that's it. Like, it's so awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So, uh, did you ever play in the uh, the National Dodgeball League?
1: No, because I was told about those Vegas tournaments. Um, I think after I had played for a season at Phoenix Dodgeball, but in my mind, I couldn't go to Vegas because I wasn't twenty-one and I was in college and I was broke. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I never
1: of, went to any of the NDL tournaments.
0: A lot of things against you there with that. Um, I don't want to say you miss much. Um, 2009, 2010, 2011 were, were pretty good, but after that was was just bad. And like, there are still horror stories of people that paid hundreds of dollars to play in like one or two divisions, and that was it. So I feel like, I wonder if like maybe if you had gone, it probably would have like really made you not want to do dodgeball ever again, but... What's crazy is that, you know, you, you, um, you moved off to California. So when, where did you, um, well, actually, so you got into the NDO. Um, when, when about, did you move to LA?
1: I moved in 2015. 2015. So at that point I'd been playing foam for a few years.
0: Okay. Had, had you participated in any of the elite tournaments then? Um, or were you no. just strictly foam?
1: I, I didn't start playing elite tournaments until I moved to LA.
0: Gotcha. And what, what drew you into Elite at that point?
1: Um, well, at the time I was dating someone. That's why I moved to LA. And um, they had their co-ed team. And, of course, you're going to recruit your girlfriend and your co-ed team. Um, so I was kind of hesitant at first because I like I think I still have like, doubts about going to Vegas. This is when Elite hadn't started changing the city yet. And I think I had like a flashback of like people talking about NDL. I did hear stuff. Right. So I was just like, I don't know if I want to play that competitively. Like I didn't like, I find it fun. I don't want to like get too involved and then lose my love for dodgeball kind of thing. But I ended up trying it. And then, um, I don't even remember if I played, yeah, I played women's, um, just on like random teams, I think, but I don't remember exactly.
0: Gotcha. So just kind of feeling your way through it, not taking it too seriously, which I think is hilarious. Cause look at, you now. Um, how far you've come. <laughs> <laughs> what did, uh, what did, what did you do to, to, to get better? Um, cause it, it sounds like you, you really weren't, I mean, you're still competitive, but you weren't, um, you weren't taking it, as you said, like too seriously that you'd want to like lose your, your passion for it. But did you do anything to get better? Um, other than just playing more and, and getting picked up on these random I, teams or.
1: I think, um, just. My theory is about dodgeball in general or, like, more sports in general or anything, actually, is, like, you're going to play to a certain level. It's, like, there's, like, some quote out there about um, you're going to use as much space as, like, you're given. So if you have, like, a small space, you're going to, like, make do with what you have. But if it's bigger, you're going to fill it with more. So it's, Mm -hmm. like, I see that with competition. So, like, if you're playing at a certain level and the level never rises, you'll never rise either. So when I moved to L.A., there's just such – Like a lot of veterans, a lot of talent there is, I mean, everyone knows that there's a lot of dodgeball in LA. So that alone helps with the competition out there. So you just kind of like slowly adapt, I think. And that's what started me getting better. And then um, once I had played that first season of elite, um, and then just started seeing how competitive other people were around me living in LA, I um, think I just like, started practicing like accuracy especially since I now switched to no-sting and I did not like no-sting at all the first time I tried it my arm killed me um when I first moved to LA so I think I just I just wanted to be better I think I didn't want to be at the bottom of the food chain
0: <laughs> I really like what you said about the about that quote where it's like you're going to use as much space as you're given and like otherwise you, you know you, you'll get comfortable and you won't grow so I'm definitely going to save that for when we start talking like the um legitimacy photo because I, I know kenny got some some good ones of you but uh just kind of like a mental note to use that but um la is definitely a place to like if you want to get better i feel like at least coming from an arizona like that's that's the next step like we can only do so much here and thankfully we've got a lot of awesome players to to help us you know sharpen our blade so to speak but la is just massive and there's constantly dodgeball and um you said you didn't really take to the no sting and you were starting to like, you know, hurt yourself throwing. How did, how did you overcome that?
1: Um, I did a lot of physical therapy actually. Um, actually I went, had just gone through physical therapy for my shoulder, um, before I moved, right before I moved to LA. So that's, I built some strength in my arms with that. Um, and that helped my throw a lot. Just like the, how hard I was throwing was just building that muscle in the shoulder Um, so I think when I started noticing and I started feeling some of the same pains, I started changing how I was throwing. So I practiced different grips. I would ask people how they grip the ball and like how the tape really helped. I'm not big on tape anymore. Hmm. Um, I usually just use it for, uh, like injured fingers, but I don't do use it for grip. Um, so I just started noticing how people were holding the ball before they threw it, um. Where they were releasing it at, I just basically started studying people was to try to see if I could like if I threw like them if it would change my throw or um yeah, I haven't had too many arm pain issues since because I think um when I switch ball types, I have different grips and different throws for them, and I just kind of do whatever feels a little bit more natural instead of just focusing on throwing hard um I focus on like the accuracy as well and how I want to release. Um, but I think that's helped me a lot in dealing with not having as much like uh, arm pain or shoulder pain.
0: Interesting. So you don't focus on throwing hard. Just figures you focus on what works or focused on what works. Right. That's yeah.
1: Cool. Cause I think I had this initially, like to be a good sniper or a good thrower, you have to have a really hard throw and a lot of good throwers do like, but that's, that's a common theme. Um, but I thought that was all you needed in order to be a strong thrower. And now I don't necessarily believe that's true. Um, it's not just about the strength. It's about the accuracy.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can throw as hard as, as hard as crap all day long, but if you're not hitting anything, what good are you versus someone that might not throw as hard, but they're constantly hitting that person or that player. That's a good way to look at it. And that's, um, that's really similar. Like what I was talking with Dylan, uh, Clark Odin about was he, um, He'll purposely throw a little less harder, just so he can make sure that he gets that accuracy. So, kind of cool hearing it from a completely different uh, perspective, too. Um, what would you say um, your style of play is? Like, do you consider yourself like a more defensive player, offensive? Like, what, what, what would you, what would we see you doing on the court for we it to watch you?
1: Um, I think I'm mostly known for being an offensive player. Um, a lot of people know me to be a really strong corner um more recently though after my knee injury um my first tournament back was my first real tournament back was uh worlds in cancun and um we had a coach for the first time this year and he saw different ways to combine all of our abilities and so that um made me have to change positions from where i normally play on the court and so now more recently i would think i'm more I can be both offensive and defensive. Um, I feel like as the years have gone on, I've kind of just changed because when I first started, I focused on mainly catching. So I guess that would make me kind of a defensive player. And then when I was to a foam, I wanted to be more offensive. I wanted to throw more. Um, And I just kept that up for for a long time. I'd want to be a a really aggressive corner, get snipes, um, try to predict plays, and then, but now recently, I kind of don't want to be as aggressive. I want to sit back and catch and then be smarter about throwing.
0: Gotcha. So a little more like. A hybrid. Yeah. Like, like you're kind of conservative, but you're also more like deliberate in what you're doing.
1: Right. I want to think um, more recently, I've just been more focused on like the mentality, like the mind, like the just thinking about the game more so than the physicality.
0: Right. That makes sense. Um, I completely forgot about your, your knee recovery. So what was, um, what was it like coming back from that? Cause that, that, that was, that looked gnarly. I remember seeing you like in a wheelchair. I'm like, Oh my God, what happened? And then <laughs> like, that's, you know, people recover from like, you know, like a broken finger or torn something. And it, there's usually like a, you know, like a path to recovery, but what'd that look like for you?
1: Um, so I landed at round two. During the beginning of uh, women's division, um, I was the last one, in and I jumped to dodge a ball. When I landed, my <laughs> knee tweak, So it was, um, and it was a bad knee—a knee that I had like fallen on hard before. Um, so it was already kind of injured, but I never did anything about it. So that tweak, uh, I knew like something was really wrong, and uh, so I just kind of—I um, had to sit out, um, got it checked out. The doctor was very surprised that it wasn't like a tear, but he thought it was a very tiny tear. And so I just did physical therapy from um, May. So I got injured in May and then I got cleared in September. Five months of physical therapy. Um, And again, like uh, physical therapy actually was like more of a workout where I went and, and had it. It was really awesome. So they had me doing like squats and um, leg presses, so like really actually doing workouts. And I think that helped me um, stay in shape actually during the time when I pro- when I wasn't really able to run or I was afraid to run actually once I um, was starting to get better um, and I wasn't playing dodgeball yet in any direct the rec leagues because I didn't want to risk getting hurt. I just wanted to take my time. Um, to get better. I didn't want to have, I was lucky enough that I didn't need surgery and I didn't want to have surgery in the future. So I was really focused on just doing the workouts that they gave me in physical therapy. Um, but I was cleared in September and then I, we had a camp for team Mexico in September and a camp in October. So those were my two preparation, big preparations before the tournament. Other than that, I hadn't really done much dodgeball playing.
0: Did it ever like, did you ever think for a moment that like, you weren't going to recover in time or did you ever have any like any difficulties with like during this time frame? Like
1: in the be- beginning I thought, I mean, it was May it was a ways off and I knew the tournament was going to be in November. Um, but in the beginning, I, I mean for the first two months I was like, ah, I might not get better. So let me just really focus on getting my knees strong and don't focus on the timeline. Um, so I think in the beginning, I was really upset that my knee was hurt and I was missing pretty much the rest of the elite season. Um, and we didn't have any subs on my women's team. so that's the first thing I thought of is we have just the six. And um, I was just afraid I wasn't gonna get back to playing and I knew I was gonna miss the elite season. but after a couple months of doing it, uh, you know, the workouts and just going, I like really felt my knee getting better um just certain little things that like the physical therapist would say to me like gave me hope and that felt kind of nice when she would like when i think she first said you could start riding bikes around your neighborhood that'll help or doing the elliptical um when she would give me permission to do other things outside of physical therapy like that's when i was like okay like if i can ride a bike that's working out that's cardio that's that's something right so like even if i wasn't playing dodgeball i was doing little things like that like taking the steps up instead of like elevators i mean i have to walk everywhere in new york so like the escalators are very tempting um so my thing was like just get up this flight of stairs and like just little things like that
0: so yeah um kind of like what you said about like how you you just didn't worry so much about the timeline what you're missing out on and then just working like worrying about just getting stronger so like using the steps versus the escalator which i mean escalators to to me are still fun to this to this day I, I like to do that just because they're a blast but um <laughs> did you because you're, you're the captain of venom so did you did that like impact you even more at all like did that I don't want to say like i'm not trying to dig up like negative feelings but I'm just trying to get an idea of like what it was like recovering um even as yeah, as captain of venom so what, what was that like too just overcoming that?
1: It did kind of break my heart a little, but I recently um, at the beginning of the season last year, the 2019 season, I had talked to Emma Griffin, um, who is now my co-captain. So that was like official at the beginning of the season. So that kind of, if I hadn't, if that hadn't happened at the beginning of the season, I don't think I'd be as comfortable. Um, I'd feel a little more heartbreaking moving on just because I feel like I definitely left my team without leadership and like that, you know, and, and teams can break up easily, especially in the East where like um things are always changing with teams. Right. Um, but I think having knowing that Emma, Emma's great and she has a um we both have different leadership styles and different strategies. And so uh it's always really great to just discuss things with her, anything regarding the team. It's nice to talk to someone about it. And um so like even though I was injured and I couldn't play anymore, like I trust her and and I knew that if I wasn't there, like I didn't really have to like co manage or be like, make sure you say this or make sure this happens. I just kinda like let it be. And um we ended up at round three. Um, I think we placed third. I mean, I was like really proud of them and um so I was just like, you know, like they did well at round two when I stopped playing. Like I didn't have any doubt that my team wouldn't continue to improve and do better as the season went on.
0: Nice kind of want to move in because i i remember talking uh drinks city so i'm, I'm kind of like biting my tongue because there's some other stuff about um leadership <laughs> and, and what you have with venom that i definitely am saving for for later so i'm just gonna push pause but then want to ask like um what is your favorite uh style of ball
1: it's between foam and 8.5
0: like an even divide like 50 50 or it just goes back and forth between what you're playing that day
1: Kind of, yeah, I mean, I think I'm tipsy, tipping more towards foam, um just because like I feel like I play better at foam, like um competitive wise like if my if I rank myself against like people other people with every ball type, I think foam is where I do the best compared to other ball types,
0: nice, yeah, foam, as I've been saying, it's uh you know, I don't know if you if you had the same uh perspective as well since coming from Arizona in 8.5 being like the ball that we used for the longest time but like foam is definitely growing on me more and more and I'm starting to appreciate it for a lot more than I used to like three years ago I absolutely hated it two years ago I'm like I'll play I guess and then now I'm just like yeah it's not bad it is what it is it's it's fun um did you have any role models uh growing up and these could be um real or celebrity I guess or or fictional
1: I was a huge Phoenix Suns fan growing up, like from the ages of eight till, well, recently. I just, I've been upset with them recently, <laughs> but I love them again, because Devin Booker's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think just the Suns watching them play when I was growing up, that whole team was kind of like my role model. Um, I used to love playing tennis too, or watching tennis, so Venus and Serena were my favorite people too. Nice. Uh. Yeah, I would say that.
0: Very cool. Um, do you have a pre-game ritual or a pre-tournament ritual?
1: Um, my new thing recently that I started doing um, at at Worlds actually is uh, meditating before a game. Um, nice. So, like before each match at Worlds, I would kind of take ten minutes. Silently to myself and do this like sports meditation. I was like guided on an app, um, and it really helped me focus and like it actually helped me calm myself and be less aggressive about the game. So like if a mistake happened, like I was like, alright, just brush it off, move on, kind of thing. It's a new game, it's a new moment. Um, whereas before in previous years, I've played and, and just gotten very angry at myself, and uh, which affects the way you play. If you get angry, you can't think straight. So um, yeah recently i've been meditating or like just before i run for a ball i'll take a deep breath and clear my mind and then start the next game um i also like to listen sometimes i like to listen to music um everyone likes to listen to music or a playlist um but mostly i just kind of like to be by myself before a game
0: that's really cool about meditation because that's that's new it hasn't been said yet um do you, and you said it was like a guided, med, like, is it a specific one or you just look for guided meditation?
1: Yeah, it was an app and on the app, I had downloaded the app so that I could meditate to like, I, something I've been trying recently right. and redoing research in it recently. So on the app, it had something for sports and basically the focus was to get you focused on the game. Um, and part of it was starting like deep breaths, quiet out. And then at one point in the guided meditation tells you to take in all the sounds and like listen to them, and um, and then bring your back self back into focus. So basically, like the whole meditation is getting you ready for being surrounded by everything that involves being in a game or a competition. Um, but yeah, I think the uh, yeah. So I was meditating at home actually first, and then we were gonna play Malaysia the second day. I think that was our first game of the second day. So I know that was the second game of the second day. And I was just really nervous about that game. And that's when I did my first one right before the game versus before I showed up to the venue and I ended up having five catches that game. So I was like, okay, if this helped me clear my mind before every play, I'm definitely going to do this from now on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something must be working if, if you're doing that. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> well, if you, if you, if you find that app or, or think of it, let me know. I'm, Cause I've been, attempting to like learn how to meditate more i'm always hearing like that is the thing to do it's it's really helpful and also this stuff so that's definitely something i'm I'm interested Mm -hmm. in especially because like i really like we said about um like if you get mad at yourself it's really hard to sometimes come out of that and it definitely impacts like how you play and i don't know i feel like there's a really good balance of like using a little bit of anger and and yeah using that as like motivation to um help you play better but yeah the mental game is, is huge. And a lot of the people that I've talked to over the years have, have said from the beginning, just believe that you're going to win, believe that you're better than everybody else out there. And that's like, you know, half three, fourths of the battle already. So you did mention, um, you like to listen to music too. Is there anything specifically that, um, that will amp you up? And this is kind of like a blend of Markel and and Sergio's questions.
1: It depends on my mood. Sometimes I like to listen to Spanish music and, like, dance before. Like, I just, like, have to move my body. Or sometimes I like to listen to, like, um, just, like, some house music. Like, just instrumental or, like, instrumental hip-hop where I could just focus on, like, if I really think that I need to work on my throws, so I'll throw to the beat of this music. Um sometimes I put on like R&B and like kind of sing to it in my head and that helps me get into the mood. It just depends on the day. Like, and what I feel like, if I feel like moving, if I feel like singing, if I feel like, like focusing or something like that, it, it just depends.
0: They like various varying, um, songs for, for specific, like.
1: Yeah. What, and like it depends it... on the tournament too, you know? Cause like, like at Sin City, for example, like they have music playing there, but like, it's fun to hear upbeat music cause you're there to have fun. In right. um like in Cancun, like uh, while I was waiting, I would listen to like just playing instrumental music because it was just you know, I just didn't want to think about anything I wanted to focus. Um Yeah. So like if it just depends on the tournament too and then my mood.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, I don't feel like there's like one song for everything. Like each song's gonna have its specific like uh function. Right. Um so, before we transition into the crowdsource questions, um, Shelby Grimes, um, and I, I totally asked permission if I could say this, but she just said, Hey, um, start to interview Ashley. Uh, she was on the first team I played on, and she helped me develop my game a lot that first season. Can't wait to listen to it being today's episode. So,
1: oh, I love Shelby. <laughs> yeah, I actually played with her. It was called the Average Pros, They were, um, it was a company team in West LA. And, um, like I, when I played, like, um, uh, Tory was running West LA. I think he still does that now. Tori Thompson. And, um, I would just be like, you know, put me on whatever team and i love playing on corporate teams actually. Um, but this team was so much fun because it's like, it, I'd be like the last one in and I'd get one snipe or like one catch or something like that. And they'd all be on the sideline just cheering me on like I was a celebrity. It, like, truly lifted my soul. Like, it was, it was just the best team to play on. And Shelby was, like, really into the game. And she kept playing other seasons. So after I um, – when I left L.A. and moved to New York, she was still playing uh, in the rec league. And I don't know exactly when she got into Elite. But when I found out she was starting to play Elite, I was, like, super excited because I just remember her liking the game.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Shelby's really cool. And – um I was actually surprised that she'd played before um, because we were talking about like how, you know, your time in LA, that was, you know, a few years back. My memory serves me um, showing that, that Shelby is new um, relatively like like the last year or so. Right. But but I guess, um, yeah, I guess she's kind of stuck in the local leagues and um, is, is now venturing into elite or premier and, and be more competitive. Um, But that's awesome. And I was kind of, talking to her a little bit about that. And she just said, like, she kind of, uh, spoke to what you were saying. Um, and maybe I can, well, I definitely want to interview her too. Like she's definitely on the radar. So maybe we might have like some, some parallels there with her experience, but she just said she really appreciated you. Um, you know, keeping your cool and just being, you know, a good example of what competitive dodgeball looks like. So it's really cool when you have that effect, like you, you, you inspire the people to, to play more and uh and keep playing and then step up to you know elite competitive levels so that's awesome and oh,
1: it's
0: um so nice it's a it's a great transition to uh this i imagine this question is basically she she's asking to kind of just state or or discuss like the differences between west coast and east coast play so how would you uh how would you describe those two
1: um as far as tournaments go, for elite, when it was elite, um, it's, um, for the women's, it's a little, it's it's different. It's kind of, in the West Coast, when you play women's division, I only played two seasons on a women's team. Actually, I only did one season, um, and then I just did co in my second season when I was living in L.A., but um, playing in West Coast tournaments and women's divisions, there's a lot more teams, so you get to, sometimes you don't play every women's team. So every tournament, when you're in a new pool bracket, it's like you're playing new people. Um, versus in the East, when I did my first series out in the East, you're playing the same teams, you're playing the same people. Even last year, when some of the teams got mixed mixed up and created new teams, we were still playing the same people, essentially. And there's maybe one new team, um, or like a, one and a half teams' worth of people that were newer. Right. Um, so that's like a big difference is like, In the West, I felt like you were always trying to adapt and you were always on your toes because you didn't always play against the same people. But in the East, you can kind of like, um, you know each player and you know their style. So it makes playing a little more strategic, I think. Um, It's just different. It's a a different approach in both. um, With both leagues. Um, As far as the leagues go... Like the recreational leagues um, in LA, they were definitely more competitive. Um, there were leagues that it was a lot, that were based more on the fun part of it, but even like the fun social uh, leagues out in LA are a little bit more competitive than the leagues out here that I play in in New York. I can't say anything to any of the surrounding area. I just played in like a couple leagues here in New York. I did, um, I mean, I do Sandlot um, and then I've done NYC Social, which is kind of like a, Waka or Zog, whatever, if you will, um, if you're not familiar with it. Um, but playing in in the leagues out here, um, like I said earlier, the level of competition. If if there's nothing really to grow or to push it, it's not going to grow. Um, so that's basically that's one of the main differences that I found out here in the East is if um, I want to play competitive, then I have to go to tournaments because the rec leagues out here are mostly to socialize and meet people and um it's not really um i wouldn't say it's focused on growing the sport specifically
0: gotcha yeah that's uh i was was wondering if you're gonna if you're gonna point towards that that quote earlier about you know moving spaces and um what it would take for for you to venture out and and find that competition because it's i imagine it's a pretty pretty drastic difference um, going from uh, the west coast to the east coast um do you remember what it was like going from Arizona to the West Coast. Like I remember you saying it was it was definitely a lot more dodgeballs, more competitive.
1: Uh huh, like in Arizona, um I was playing NDO, which was one night a week. And then towards the end before I moved out, I played in a different league. That shall not be Um, (laughs) me. Um and uh I think I know what
0: you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yes, I was involved in that.
0: I was thrown away. Anyways,
1: (laughs) um I mean all for the love of dodgeball. Anywho There's ups and downs. Um, So when I moved to uh, LA, um, I mean, I kind of had an in because I was dating someone who was a league manager and who was already involved in the sport and playing competitively. So like there was a way for me to like get on teams because of him, but it felt, it definitely felt, I don't know, maybe because I was so used to like my Arizona people. When I went to LA, it felt a little more clicky. It felt harder to get in like, you had to be, like, this super awesome talent to kind of get noticed. Huh. And um, since people didn't notice me, know who I was, a lot of people didn't know who I was when I played. I kind of, like, I, I always did. I think this is the funnest part is just kind of play reserved and then, like, really show out what you need to show out to be like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> like, it's just a fun game for me to play sometimes when people don't know how I play. I just like to sit back and, like, hop up out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> I no, I've been playing for a very long time. I'm actually really good. So surprise kind of kind of thing.
1: It's fun. I like to do it against guys, especially especially guys who are.
0: <laughs> Have you had a chance to do that recently, or?
1: Um, one night. I...
0: I guess. I guess it's oh yeah,
1: had <laughs> like my rec league last week. Uh, I mean, that's like like I sometimes I take a break between rec se- seasons here, and so they'll like cycle in new people, and I did a new um in a new night doing a new night this season. And so last week, there were some guys that were like, I guess they just assumed every girl can't throw. And so I got, I threw right at them to like, so it was no sting. So I threw right at them to where like the ball bounces out of your lap because you can't catch it kind of thing. Right. Or I would get their toes and it was, it was really fun. And I'd only do it to guys who were staring at me like they could, like they would talk strategy about trying to throw at me because, I, you know, you know when people talk strategy to get the girl out. Yep. So I know when that's happening and I was like, ah, you're next
0: Nice. I mean, I don't know. I don't, obviously, I don't know personally, but I've, I've seen it. Like, and I've also seen it's girls. It's just fun to do. Yeah, I've also seen girls like completely destroy guys, and it's um for me, it, it's the most fun to watch. Like in a quasi like recreational slash almost competitive environment. So, like for example, watching um uh, I think it was one of like the Fry's tournaments where um Phoenix dodgeball would would host for. Like every single oh, yeah. store in Arizona, and sometimes they would let um, you know Phoenix dodgeball players play, and they would just murder these kids, and it was it's so satisfying to watch. Um, you you remember uh, Jackie? Watching
1: the brows get murdered. Yes, I love Jackie. It's so funny. Yep. You
0: know, yeah. Watching uh, we were playing in Grand Canyon State games one time, and uh, Jackie was playing with the Ballbusters, and they were just destroying these kids, um, these frat mm-hmm. frat looking dudes, and I remember for people that don't know jackie thomas like she is tiny but my god does she have some power? she can throw insanely yep. hard I, I think we clocked her at like 56 Scary. miles yeah we, we clocked her at like 50 50 miles an hour once um which is up there for most people so um this team is playing against them they're getting just completely destroyed and i just see one guy break off running yelling she's coming and then he's just like his turn, his back is turned on her. He's like running towards the back line, and Jackie's just going full, full sprint towards him, uh, about to just unload on him. And that is so fun to watch. So it's, uh, I guess it's kind of a, it's a bummer that you have the opportunities to do that, but when you actually take those opportunities and actually do make people look dumb, um, that that's gotta be really satisfying um, to do. It's satisfying to watch. Uh, I can't I imagine it's probably even more satisfying to to carry out on your own, but. um Miles Gardner asks, "Who's your bestie?" And this is hilarious because I think he accidentally posted this on Eli. He accidentally
1: posted on Eli's.
0: I saw that. <laughs> uh, rest <laughs> in peace, Eli. He he responded with some pretty sad gifts, which is hilarious. But uh, yeah, so obviously it's not Eli. So um, who's your bestie?
1: Miles. It's Miles. Miles knows he is, and that's why he did this question.
0: Sounds. Miles sounds is going to be. Miles
1: is a rising star. That kid. He's going places.
0: Yeah, he's um shout out to Ball Out uh, podcast um him and uh, Brett Hardwin, so uh, they're definitely making moves and his whole uh, dodgeball fit to win Facebook group has been awesome to be a part of and um he's a great guy and I keep forgetting that he is deaf like I I keep forgetting that,
1: yeah. that he's like, a super awesome kid yeah he's awesome
0: and he's a kid I I thought he was a lot older um I think just by the way like he carries himself online but uh, yeah he's a child but um. <laughs> Colleen Dowling asks, um, and we might actually revisit this question too uh, when we get to like the critical three. But uh, he asked, what's your solution to bring more women to the East and how will you implement it? So two-part question I mean, there. I
1: think I've already kind of started doing that. Um, honestly, when Venom first started in the East, I... Um, The people who were on my team, only two of them had done elite before, and that was Giselle. She hasn't played in the last two seasons due to school. And Emma, my co-captain. So the three of us had done elite previously. Um, Everyone else I recruited. like um, Alex was from the local leagues, and I told her what kind of commitment it would take, and I recruited her. Um, Justine had posted that she was a free agent. I think someone told her about competitive dodgeball. And um, while she was just getting, um, and someone saw that she was good in rec league. And so when I saw people comment on her post, I took her in. Um, And then at that time, at round one, when we started this team, there's another girl, but she ended up not liking elite. So she didn't continue playing. Hmm. Um, But I also had recruited her from the local league. Um, Beverly Rivas played on our, our team the first season that Venom was in the East. And she ended up injuring herself. She cut her lip. So I had to pick up another girl because I didn't have subs. And that's where Taylor Hess came into play. Um, I think that was her first season playing dodgeball. She didn't have a women's team. Um, and I was like, Gary, do you want to play? And she ended up playing with us the whole season for the last two seasons. Um, she's focusing on school now, so she won't be with us this next season. But um, last season, I picked up uh, Alexa Warnock, who is up and coming. Um, you know, She had been going to a lot of tournaments. And so I asked her if she wanted to be on our team, along with Cassie Weaver. Who played in the north and was coming out to the east and didn't have a women's team at the time that i asked her so um i feel like i'm i love to i love to play with potentially new players i love seeing potential i've always loved coaching like since i was younger um so like to me being a captain is like being a coach it's not just being a leader um so i always welcome like new people on the team and i think that's how i'm helping bring women you know um, in my local leagues, I already talked to a girl that I'm playing with in, on my Wednesday nights, and I see her potential. And I want to bring her to a women's tournament that we're having to the east, so she can see just how women play. And then hopefully, she you know falls in love with her and keeps playing. But it's like little things like that, like um, just small things. I think is how it's going to grow. It's not going to be a big, massive like, let's do this big thing and it'll be a big solution. Um, first, like we have to like it has to be inviting. I mean, if you like, way like you talked about, the way I got hooked is like everyone was so nice, and that's why I stayed in dodgeball. Um, and right now, you know, with how a lot of comments are going around about the three-three ratio, um, it's not inviting, and it's not somewhere that I will even want to be in. <laughs> so I let alone want—I don't want to bring new girls into like a toxic environment. So um, I think first off, we just have to get our community to be a real community, and that's how it'll grow.
0: It's interesting. So yeah, a lot of points that I wanted to kind of touch up on that one. Um, definitely, definitely want to go into the three, three, three thing. Cause that's such a charged thing right now, but um, going back to like the first points. So you'd mentioned um, you recruited Alex from a local league, but you told her what the commitment would take. Like you kind of let her yeah, know like, what she was getting herself into or. Yes.
1: Yeah, so when I just, I was going to try to find a women's team out here. I didn't want to create my own. I just didn't want to, I didn't want a captain. I don't remember why. I just didn't feel like oh, I didn't want to do the work, honestly. Uh, for a women's team, actually, here's why. Because in the West Coast, I wanted a team. Uh, what I wanted was a women's team that would grow and stay established because I started dodgeball seeing Ball Busters, started dodgeball seeing Beavers, started dodgeball you know, being on Delta, Delta, where It was mostly the same group of women sticking together. And so I wanted that when I started playing competitively. But unfortunately, every tournament that I would go to, that there was a women's division, it'd be a free agent team, a free agent team. And I was like, I'm so tired of playing on free agent teams. I just want to grow with the team. And no one was asking me to play with them. Um, so like, and I was too afraid to really ask any of the good teams if they needed someone. So um, when I came out to the East, I was like, well, this is a fresh start. And I want a team that is going to grow. So um, everyone that asked that wanted to play together, um, I would say, okay, like I'll captain this team. Um, We'll use this Venom logo that I used for another tournament before for a women's team. Like I already have t-shirts. I was like, but if we do this, like need to know that we're going to go to every round. We're going to be, everyone should be playing in a, in a, in a league. And if we can, we're going to try to practice because there's not that many tournaments out here. I was like, it's, it's going to take commitment if we want to grow as a team. So I did tell her up front, I was like, you have to be at every tournament because if you're not there, we don't have any backup. And so that's kind of how, how i presented it
0: that's really cool and i
1: figure if someone was gonna stick around and do it when it sounds hard then they're gonna stick around um like i wasn't gonna lie about it being competitive at all i feel like it's better to be straightforward
0: yeah and i i wonder like for all the all the captains out there that are trying to recruit players that didn't set this expectation or didn't you know advise of the commitment that it would take uh because it's big like you, you have put out money for uniforms you gotta travel you gotta get there and then you also have to prepare yourself you have to like condition now and and do all these things and i wonder if like if those captains or 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 players had communicated that in the beginning what the retention would have been like because it's i imagine it's something completely different to have everybody bring you into this new thing you decide you can give it a shot and you just do completely terrible or you just get completely murdered or humiliated. You probably never want to do it again because you just weren't expecting the level of dodgeball out there. And every time I I tell somebody that's not familiar with dodgeball or show them what it's like, they're just like, wow, you guys are intense. So like, I wonder, I wonder what that, I, I just wonder like what, what that, what retention that would impact if you just tell them from the beginning, this is what the entire year looks like if you commit to this team and I know the better teams are doing that now maybe cause they learned the hard way. Um, I know I'm, I'm especially doing that with my team. Uh, we had like a little team how wow after, um, one of the open gyms a couple of weeks ago where I laid out these expectations. Like, look, if you guys are coming to this, like you're coming to everything, not just, you know, playing when you feel like it, um, cause I've been burned so many times in the past by that kind of mentality. So yeah, when he said that, I was like, Oh, I got to talk about that a little bit more. <clears throat> um, The thing you said to um you mentioned Beverly Rivas, she's an a West Coast player now, right? Was she just in New York at the time?
1: Um, yes, she had it moved. Um she hadn't moved yet, so she was still living in California.
0: Gotcha. And then I think she
1: was like visiting in the area at the time, so um she knew that I lived in New York, and so she asked if if I needed anyone, that's when I picked her up.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I was like, I could swear I've always seen her on like a West Coast team, but um, that makes sense. And then you said um, you love coaching, you love seeing and identifying potential, and you see the captain's role more as uh, as a coach, or you see both. Um, that's I feel like that's kind of new, like because especially because earlier you said like oh, I don't really want a captain, I want to do all the work, but then now it's like it's something that you seem to be really enjoying. Like, have, had you always seen the captain role as like you're, you're kind of dual, like dual wielding, you're like wearing both hats, captain as coach?
1: Um, that when I first captain teams, I was terrible at it because I was very competitive. Right. But then as I like started thinking of it in terms of inviting people to the sport, um, I think it happened mostly when I was playing in like just women's teams and trying to get to organize that, um, like to invite women, um, what I I, like see new players and girls I kind of struggle and I hate seeing when like guys take the ball away from a girl or like girls new and people like ignore her or they just like or people go and like hit on her like Peter's like a piece of meat you know like I like they came there to play a sport for a reason whether someone brought them or like they found it on their own they came and showed up and want to play like um, and I feel like if you teach someone like something new like my go-to tip for new players is how to catch I just tell them sit there with like your arms open and like and cramp your body up and that's like so I, I always teach the same new like first thing to people and like that gets them to op- stand open and like psychology tells you is when you like stand open and big like you feel more confident so like if they're already standing in a position like then they feel more involved in the game um mm-hmm. so I think like once I started like helping new players or being part of teams like corporate teams like I was with the Shelby that's where it helped me see being captaining as like more of an example more of a coach like Tell players what the game is about. Um, I mean, because if everyone has a clear um, concept of what the game is and what the plan is, and then, um, then everyone you know has more fun. Because like you enjoy something when you know what's happening. You're not going to enjoy something if you don't know what's happening, and people are just yelling at you to do something.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, again, going back to my comment earlier about like trying to dig into something a little bit more. Um, but saving it for, I think the the final questions, because I, I think <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get there. Um, but I wanted to go over one more and that was, um, actually, do I want to go for it now or, yeah, I guess we can. So you had mentioned like, it, it's going to take what you're doing now, just, just recruiting, setting the expectation, inviting people in, identifying the potential, Trying to grow players um, alongside with you, trying to show them what dodgeball is like, trying to, you know, make them more involved, have more plays, etc. Um, and you, you kind of equated that to just like small things here and there are gonna are gonna you know build up to the change that we all want to see with more more women playing versus something big, um, which I kind of like. I, I think that's a really good point. It's not going to take some magical switch or change. Um, and then we kind of talked about like the three on three. So is that what you mean? Like, like the big change from three on three or like what's uh what is it about it that you're not, um, that you're against or you don't like, I think you said it was not inviting. It's not that to. I don't like
1: the three on, there's another like the three on the ratio. I love that concept and I love the idea because it, it makes it more of a level playing field. Like it makes people have to search for women. But, um, the thing that I'm not looking forward to, was specifically what I mentioned is the East. Um, I mean, everyone's brought up a point that in the West, it's easier to have three, three teams because of are like the, the amount of people, the pool of players, and that it's not necessarily the case in the East. And, um, with, when those discussions started up, that's when I got hesitant about who I wanted to play with, if I wanted to do covid just because, um, there's a lot of teams changing out here in the East from what I've been seeing. And, um, it's not the same teams from last year. So it's like, if, for example, one team, team A, asked you to be a part of a team and team A is no longer, is now a mixture of teams B, C, and D from the past seasons because everyone broke up and started their own thing, it's not really that team anymore. So, like, it, in the East Coast specifically, I think it's just been harder. Like, um, I found a team to play with for the first, one of the first, ter- for the first co ed tournament for the Premier Tour, but even they know that I'm, I told them this is just some of the potential basis. I'm still a free agent. Because I'm at, I'm afraid to commit to a co-ed team just because of comments that I've seen surrounding the whole 3-3 ratio controversy, whatever, on Facebook and, and the chats.
0: So it, it it's more like because of... So like of- I
1: don't want to play with the people who are available to play with. <laughs> um, and it's, like it's becoming less. So it's like, because of the whole 3-3 ratio, a lot of these teams have to take off guys, right? And create and Reorganized for co-ed right um so it's not the same as like you're not getting the majority of your open players anymore it's like open teams are being split in half in a a way um so like these new mixtures of guys there's like less teams so it's like oh my god if we don't get a girl then we don't get to play co-ed and i just think the way that some of these discussions have gone about has not if someone outside of dodge were to see some of this it doesn't look inviting and like Just some of the interactions I've seen doesn't make me want to bring women in just for co ed. And if you bring them to women's, then that's where they get recruited for co ed. But like you I mean, I want people to have fun when they play.
0: So is it because you kind of said like like teams are at a point where like we need a female player, otherwise we're not gonna get to play. Like, is it like a like a sense of desperation that's a turnoff to that?
1: A little bit. Yeah cuz like um it's just like i think specifically the people who who can't find women i mean there's a reason why some teams all the same teams always struggle finding women there's got to be a reason right <laughs> otherwise like they always they wouldn't always be struggling they'd keep the same people
0: right hmm yeah i've got I don't know if I'm just, like, oblivious to a lot because I, I never really understood. And, again, there's a lot of bias coming from Arizona and coming from the West where there are, are there's just tons of talent everywhere. So, you know, obviously act quickly. Otherwise, somebody's going to snag the player that you're looking at because that's, that's happened a few times already. Um, you, have, you never know who's watching. But, like, I, I never really saw an issue with the three-on-three. Three. And that's one thing that I, I really just can't seem to wrap my head around because – in my mind, I just see, okay, it equals the playing field. It's truly co-ed. It's not four guys and two girls mm-hmm. now. It's three and three. And playing in this format with um, the most recent um, classic, it, it truly felt like, I don't want to say equal, because I, I don't really feel like I have the grounds to say to speak. I can only speak from you know the male perspective, but it just felt like the girls were contributing as much as, as the guys were but to go back on why I feel weird about this is because when I played co-ed evil, we had weapons like Jackie who threw harder than most guys in Tucson. So naturally she was going to be put in a more offensive uh, scenario because she just wasn't, that's just who she was. And we worked around that and we got very spoiled by having people like Brittany on the team as well. that could throw and we utilize that because most people would snooze on, on female players and we use that to our advantage. So like we always had this mentality of like, we have six players on the court, whether it's, open co ed and we're going to utilize all the assets that we have. So I've never really, mm-hmm. I never really had that like, Oh, you're a female. So all you do is catch like, no, like you're going to throw with us. And you know, if I throw a little bit harder than you do, then I'm just going to time it a little bit differently or have you throw first, have that one player, you know, try to block your ball and then I'll come in with the snipe. And that's worked out really well. And we started doing that, um, during the classic. So I don't really see what the issue is. I, again, coming from the South or the Southwest, Arizona slash West coast, like tons of women to, to choose from. But I guess in terms of growth um that's kind of why i'm like picking up on like okay so it doesn't seem as inviting as we would think um you, you talked about like how there are just so many teams on the west coast versus on the east um and i guess i get i guess i can get that like okay you're you're approaching me because so you like have no the pool, options left
1: yeah like the pool of women um in everyone's minds is the same women- like let's say example there were this royale clash Clutch, Moe, and Venom, and Devil's Advocate. So, like, five. Oh, and, um... yeah, so there's six women's teams last season, and let's say they each had six people. That's 36 women. Um, You know, like, that's the pool to play in versus in the West Coast. You have 36 women, like, six teams. That's, like, one bracket. That's not even one bracket of pools. Like, there's, what, 20 women's teams in the West, I think, when Elite plays. So, oh, like, so there's obviously more of a pool there. So that's why, and it's like, and if in the last two seasons, we haven't been able to grow past the six teams or haven't been able to add too many women uh, in general to the women's division, then that's what people are worried. That's why people are worried because it's like in their mind, it's still the same group of 30 some women. And a lot of them already had co teams when there was just two of them. So now you actually have to snatch people from other teams. So that's kind of the mentality out here.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I... I remember um, Joseph Coelho talking about like I don't know if this is similar now, but he's 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 upset about the way this is gonna break up teams because like you go from a team like Echo, which is really really good and they're pretty established wow. with who they have, but now they have to like drop you know a couple of the guys. You have and, to drop
1: a guy and pick up a girl.
0: Yeah, maybe he he's thinking he's the one that's gonna get dropped, but um, I, I get that like it, it definitely changes the the teams that you had for the past several years, uh, for those teams I've been around for as long as echo, but I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see how this is going to work out, um, in the future and, and what we'll be talking about five years from now, but I, I totally get what you're, where you're coming from. Cause again, it's, you know, all we know is our side where we have an abundance of, of players. So it's gotta be different like North and North and East. Um, probably revisit that because i definitely want to go through some of the other crowdsource questions before you go off too much on a talent uh, tangents <laughs> but um before we do that did you have any other insight on the 3v3 or are you kind of just like it is what it I'm is just and we'll s- waiting for it yeah. i have
1: no opinion on it really gotcha. <laughs> i mean i'm excited for it i'll play it i don't care like yeah. um as kind of a being a woman out here i can play if i want to it's kind of nice
0: yeah, there's that benefit.
1: But, so, I'm like, I don't have to worry about not playing COVID unless I don't want to. So that's kind of a benefit. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I mean, I'm excited to see it. And if I don't like the way it turns out, then it kind of sucks because I know I'm taking a team's opportunity, a person away from a team like myself, you know, like myself away from a team, which is a woman away from a team. But, right. like, I just hope it turns out for the better and that, like, any doubts that we have don't actually, like, come to fruition.
0: Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, man, I'm, I'm trying to hold my tongue. There's like so many comments. I'm just now coming to mind. I'm like, Oh, I remember so-and-so said this. I'm like, <laughs> uh, like, uh, uh, we'll move on. Uh, we'll see if it comes out later. But, uh, Markel back to something always positive. Um, mm-hmm. stealing my question. We're not going to ask that Markel. He asked what's your most memorable play you had up to date. So no, that's, it's a stable question. Um, but actually, thank you, Markels. I think we skipped this one. Did we talk about your favorite ball type between eight point five, no sting, and it. foam? Okay.
1: It was between eight point five and foam.
0: That's right. Where does no sting fall in?
1: <clears throat> I mean, the only other ball is cloth, right?
0: Um, cloth, did...
1: no sting, or eight point five, seven and a half foam.
0: Oh man. Um. Yeah. I played with w- all of them. I get. How would you rank them then? So, like eight point five and foam are kind of like the same well how how would uh-huh. the rest fall in line?
1: Uh, no stain cloth than the bigger foam ball yeah. last
0: yeah i i don't I don't understand cloth that that is do, do you and guys –
1: only cloth is only lower because like I mean I can catch them um and i um but it's only lower because I can't throw them well yet, so that's kind of part of my bias And, i mean that's anyone's bias in ranking right is how good they are in that ball type.
0: Yeah, no one's gonna say, Oh, I totally suck at cloth, that's my number one ball. Well, maybe. There's some weirdos out there that like the challenge that much. But uh no, I it agree. Is a
1: different strategy, so they're so I mean it's like, is it really the ball type you're talking about or the strategy? Interesting. Ah.
0: Hmm. We have to rephrase that question then. Cause everyone says cloth is a different strategy now. Um And even looking at foam and it's, it's, you know, more people are throwing at you versus 8.5 where it's only going to be a couple at a time. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, Markel also asks, how has it been captaining for team Mexico?
1: So I only captain the 2018 team when we went to Los Angeles. I I was actually a co-captain. Gotcha. Um, and it was rough but uh mainly just because like we all everyone knows that most of the players on team mexico that year were um us nationals so like um and i was living in new york and it's kind of hard to cap in if you're not all together um so um it was it was rough because it's not like a, it doesn't follow like a traditional guidelines like yeah
0: like there's no manual on how to do it, right because no one's done it before yet Is that what you mean? Or?
1: No, it's just hard because like, I feel like in order to captain a team, um, like you, I think you have to have, you have to build a connection with your team. You have to make sure that everyone is cohesive together. Um, and not only that, but being a co-captain, both of you have to be on the same page, strategic wise, planning wise, motivation wise. Um, you just have to have the same goal in mind and similar approaches. Right. And so if there's disagreement, then there's a rift amongst the team. And then there's a rift amongst the team. The attitude, the mood changes, and um, sometimes that just gets out of your control. Yeah. So that, like, having, yeah, it's just, like, a lot of factors went into it. Um, it's not, looking back on it, I would have done some a lot of things differently. But um, also because of that experience, I was able to change my mindset on the game and how I wanted to continue playing.
0: That's good. So you were able to take like some good learning um, uh, lessons from it and apply it to your captaining now.
1: Right. As a result, or uh, just playing in general, or uh, how to be a better teammate.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it, it's it's a tall order for any team that has you know one or two players that are in a different state. Um, I can't imagine like on the world stage, and you're all the way across the country, um, especially back then. I don't, I don't know if you guys are doing uh, camps around that time were you two years ago
1: yeah so yeah when I was in I was in New York still um each year that I played for Team Mexico I was in New York the first year when when I was in Toronto that was the first year we brought a women's Mexican team I had just moved to New York
0: oh man yeah that's that's a that's a a tall order as I said um just captaining a local team is enough but um it's good that you're able to, to take those lessons and apply them and, and grow from it versus just having to, you know, like no, no real benefit, I guess, for like of better words. But um Markel, I love how he does this in third person, but he said, Can Markel get a Team Mexico jersey? That man in his jerseys. I
1: thought he already had one. Yeah.
0: He uh I watched he has, this.
1: He has an extensive collection, and I'm glad that he has a Venom jersey.
0: I watched this man just like sit down and just pull out, I want to say like 20, 15 to 20 jerseys during the Austin Nationals last year at the, when we were at the Ball State booth hanging out. And i was just like, mm-hmm. first of all, how'd you fit all that stuff in your bag? And then also like, how, how do you wear every one? Like, why would you, like, I, I can bring two and, I, and I'm satisfied. But he's like switching them out like every hour on the hour. I'm just like, man, this yeah. guy, he loves him, his jerseys. Like,
1: Markel is what it like is a true example of what it is to support women in dodgeball. Like that guy has like, I think probably if not all of his jerseys are women's jerseys and he has almost one from every team that every women's team, I feel like that ever existed this last season. Yeah. Like he didn't leave anybody out. He has a favorite player on every team. It's awesome.
0: He does. And like, he always takes pictures like with him and the, and the player and mm-hmm. has her name and everything. He's just, I got nothing bad to say about Markel except for the fact that he's an Eagles fan. I guess there has to be a catch. You can't, be a completely perfect team always a cat. yeah it's not a bad one though i mean the eagles are whatever um uh, dominic Borges- i've held the actual
1: oh. super bowl ring. um my ceo is a big eagles fan and he has a super bowl ring oh. from the year they won and i got to hold it so haha markel
0: how, how did you manage that or yeah how... um
1: he's a ceo of a company and he's a huge eagle fan i don't know money just
0: <laughs> lots of money to have a an Eagles ring. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's not even insurable because it's so expensive and it's irreplaceable. So you can't insure it.
0: Who would give that up? That's uh, whatever, huh? Well, that's one up on Markel. It's Markell. a heavy
1: ring. It is a heavy ring.
0: <laughs> Man. Well, one day the Cowboys will have some and they can finally put this to rest. But uh, until then, that's one, that's Markel's bad like the bad stain on him. Um, Dominic Borgia asks, uh, what was it like having your family in Cancun supporting you and cheering you on?
1: Oh, that was awesome. I think I played my best or I had more fun playing because they were there. So I have been known to get into like, I think it's just things, random things. And like my mother and my family don't know where I find out or where I get like the motivation to try things. Like I've boxed, I've done boxing before and, uh, my aunts are like that's not so, that's not a sport for women and i was like yeah it's fun. like and i was like and if i'm good my nose will get broken like i always do weird things and when i started playing dodgeball and like actually started doing tournaments i told them about it but they couldn't imagine it so they'd only really see pictures or random videos if i if i posted videos i don't really have too many i don't think right um so when i told them i was going to be in mexico and i was going to be in cancun um my mom has gone and see, watched me in every every world um dodgeball tournament her first um, she came to Toronto, she came to LA and she came to Cancun. And she's been at every one of my tournaments. She's my biggest fan and I love her. Nice. Um so my aunts came out with her. This is the first time that they had seen me play and my cousin. So it was my two aunts and my cousin and my mom. And they were making up chants, like they would use the pinata song and like insert other countries' names. Like they were clever. <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> of fun. It was really motivating.
0: Did you ever I mean, obviously not, but like, could you imagine like if, um, when, um, Allison asked you to play that one time, that one random time, did you ever just, could you imagine like what, what would happen if somebody told you like, this is how far you'd come? Like, this would be a thing. Dude, that's crazy. is that crazy to think about? Like, I do that all the it's time. It's really
1: crazy. I didn't think I'd get to this when I stopped playing. Like when I graduated college, I wasn't going to play anymore until, um bill fair hit me up and was like we need women and do you want to play dodgeball like i think i liked his status and then he reached out to me and i was like yeah i guess i'll play again i miss playing i just didn't and i didn't think i'd continue this long i honestly thought i'd be done by now
0: that's crazy well that that sets me up for one of the questions i want to ask later too which i really like asking because it's you now i'll explain it later but um yeah i mean for anybody that that's playing dodgeball at this point just i love asking them like you know, what was it like when you first started playing and could you imagine yourself like where you are now? Who'd have thought, um, it's crazy where dodgeball takes you, but, um, so I'm hopefully going to do a recap of, I guess it's a draft tournament that's going on this weekend. Um, yes. is, is Is it, it's draft then, or is it random draw or? Yes,
1: it was a women's draft. So six captains were chosen. Um, I was one of the six captains chosen. So it was, Sammy Barrett, Danielle, Danielle Linsky, um, Tasha Maven, um, Jenny Hodge, and Amanda Mount Decker. So um, we did a draft. It was live. It was done live. So we we had our players and did a snake draft. So that was the first one. I I think that's the first women's draft that the that's been hosted in the East Coast, and we're playing this Saturday with both foam and those sting balls
0: nice yeah i'm hoping to potentially do a recap of that one um with abdul um amanda and possibly frankie but he uh in in talking to him i him know, like hey i'm gonna be interviewing ashley uh later today um you know did you have any thoughts on this um and so he said um yeah she's the captain so asking her or ask her what she thinks about the event as a whole and we kind of talked about what it felt like being a captain in general but um do you have any thoughts on this weekend at all? Or like do you feel like this is another step in trying to get more women to play? Or, or what were your thoughts on this weekend?
1: Um kind of think it's a little bit of a scouting event, <laughs> honestly. I'm not playing with any of the women who are on my on the Venom roster. Um I purposely did that because I wanted to play with people that I've never played in other tournaments with um just to see how it would be truly playing with like a random group of women um see there's so i've um i think i don't think i have two people that played on the same team on my team if i'm not mistaken i think not everyone yeah everyone's played everyone played on different women's teams if, if if they played um in elite last season and uh yeah, but I'm excited to see how this goes, um, especially because um, it's very spread out, and then we're gonna have two ball types. So we'll see. But I'm excited.
0: Yeah, it should be fun. Definitely uh, curious how it's gonna go, and yeah, hopefully we'll have some some nuggets to talk about uh, next week for a recap episode. It'll be the first one, so it also give me a chance to dust off the cobwebs and, and panel discussions. It's been it's been a minute, but. Yeah. Um, so some of the themes we might uh, touch up on again. So call these critical three. Um, again, it's it's no by no means like you are criticizing how people are running things. It's just getting your input as a player, uh, especially that you're on the East Coast and you ha- you do have some mm-hmm. some um, some good insight from your travels, for lack of better words. But um, one of the questions is why do you think dodgeball is still a mostly unknown and un- unacknowledged sport?
1: there's too many variables too many variances they're not like unified like i said we're like constantly i mean the, look at the dodgeball family page it's constantly like fighting about certain rules which ball type is better um i think the only thing i ever see on the dodgeball family page is people posting free agents nowadays and that is a form where i think we could start by talking about like unifying certain things like um, I think the biggest step we recently took is the w d b f um and the cloth uh, the european cloth um association i'm i don't know what it's called I'm sorry uh, but them joining w d b f and and the new format for what will be the w d b f tournament this um september like that's a huge step like there's gonna be two different ball types, but the fact that it's like these big groups that are now joining to make one tournament instead of having, you know, one every other year and one every year, um, things like that, I think are huge and happen because of discussions you have. Right. Right. Um, so I think they just needs the order for this. It's not well known because like we haven't unified the sport yet into like rules where everyone knows them in the country. There's just so many variables in different countries. The ball type starting for one, like that's a huge one. Um, Whereas other sports like volleyball, it's pretty universal, you know, like, um, even curling, or if you think of like, just like the weirdest sports in the Olympics, it's unified across the globe. So that's what makes it easier to spread and easier to make big is because it's unified.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's I'm trying to think of like the volleyball is perfect argument. Like there's a little bit of like, I don't know if you're, do you follow the NFL at all? Like football?
1: No, I watch
0: it. And like they just came out with like the X F L and like I mean yeah. a little bit of different variances and rules, but for the most part it's still the same sport, same same idea. And I doubt it's gonna cause enough of a of a rift that people are, aren't aren't gonna care about the sport anymore. But like that that is definitely one thing I feel is is a contributor to I don't wanna say like hindering the growth of dodgeball but making it unknown. It's just like there's so many types, like even I want to say like the biggest production of dodgeball was UDC and that was trampoline and no sting, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that was
1: a big loss. I think, I think if we could have, if that tournament, um, because it was televised, like it was actually professionally run. It was really well done. And I think if the budget allowed for it to be bigger, um, and if, I don't know that, I think that was like, like, it, it just sucks that it's, we only got one, one year of women's like, um it's like said it wasn't brought up earlier um but like i think that that was a big loss is not having that like televised even if it was on youtube like it was just so well done
0: yeah that's uh i remember that being such a bummer because like oh man like this is such a good production it looks so crisp and like look at these Mm -hmm. people that i know and see i don't say every day but like I, i know them and then it
1: makes the sport look legit yeah because it's just so well organized and like You know, there's no discrepancy in the rules. It is what it is. Everyone understands what's happening. Like, if that were able to spread, like, even if it was like elite, for example, or if it's now what's gonna USA, if now USA can do that, like, that's what's gonna help the sport grow. Everyone just has to be on the same page, like everywhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah, is there anything that you feel like the dodgeball community can do to help grow the sport? Other than kind of what you're saying, like with recruiting, uh, bringing getting people involved, reaching out to players that are, you know, interested in the competitive aspects, but
1: more, I think maybe even community events like community outreach. Like, <clears throat> there's some really amazing people who play dodgeball that like do a lot for the community and volunteer their time, are just amazing people. I think, like, if we did stuff like, uh, more charity tournaments or more like, um, just things to get, like, even the Fries tournament where it was, like, people who played that were employees, like, things things like that, like, getting children's programs, or um, I think that's how we would grow the sport, is just thinking about, like, the future versus us who are involved right now, as, like, thinking how you could reach out to other people. Like, I think kids is a big thing.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, the youth is definitely a big deal. Um, I was talking to Eli about that. Like, there should be five or six people ready to replace me when I finally move on just because like that's it. If somebody gets married or changes jobs or careers or just, they just don't want to play dodgeball anymore. They're, they're gone and that space is, is definitely missing when they do so. Um, yeah. Yeah. We need, we need more, more kids. And it'd be interesting to see like what a community outreach event would look like, like, Hey, come play dodgeball for a little bit. You know, we're not going to let our professional dodgeball players murder your guys, but you know, just be involved. But, um, it's an interesting answer. Um, is there anything about the current state of dodgeball that you do not like?
1: Mm, current state. Um, I mean, we're in a transition time, I guess. That's what we would call it. There's no more elite. Um, USA has now taken response or take taken action and planning every uh, most of the tournaments that we're used to. So I think right now with it being transitional, it's just, it's frustrating because we want to plan. We're so used to like how it used to be before that, and we don't know what's to come in the future or how things are to work. And so like, it's just frustration right now because um, one side is planning and the other side's waiting for, for, you know, information. And neither, like, I don't know, so there's not, too much transparency on the planning side, so people I think are just frustrated. What I'm hearing a lot is just frustration because there's we can't plan our lives. Like two of my teammates are getting married, and they can't plan their weddings because we don't have dates. Oh. And it's it's like I mean obviously it's just dodgeball. Like plan your wedding and let it whatever happens happens. But when you love the sport so much, like little things like that, I don't know. It's just like it's a rough. I think this year is just gonna be after this year, things are going to fall into place better, but because it's transitional right now, it's just like, I think it's just frustrating is the best word because we don't really know what it takes to plan. And this is a big change, but also we want to know the dates,
0: man. That is awesome commitment though. Like You're going to put your wedding on hold until the dates are announced, but yeah. Yeah. It's funny because earlier we are talking about like prioritizing, you know, school over dodgeball and some people kind of let dodgeball run, run their lives. But um, right. yeah, I, i would i would probably plan my wedding first and then like dodgeball can can wait one weekend it's fine mm-hmm. but do admire the uh the commitment there and um i think that's fair and it's it's just part of the the process of of change and, and growing pains and um like i said with the the episode i had with justin it's like i feel like the usa dodgeball is doing this correctly they're doing this so that they're thinking about the future and not just this one event so right. i imagine it'll be worth it you know a year from now when we're we're talking about it but um Moving into um, the top four or the tough four, um, what is your career highlight to date?
1: So, try to think about this one. And the most recent thing I can think about, which I posted a video of, is my 5v1 when uh, I was on Team Mexico in Cancun playing against Hong Kong. Um, during this game, I was the last one in. Uh, and I was it was up me against up against five um people from Team Hong Kong. Um they threw all their balls, they missed, and then I ended up having to throw at the line. Um, threw a ball, I missed. The second one sniped the girl, picked up another ball, sniped a second girl, so now it was three three versus one. Um, and I backed up and as the three girls are getting ready to throw at me, I released one of my balls and um Siped someone on the toes so now it's 2v1 and I tried to pull the same move again when the two girls pulled up but I missed um they pumped faked and then finally threw and I caught one and so now it was 2v1 two, 2 with Mexico so I brought in Ashley Dixon um and uh it was Hong Kong's turn to throw and Ashley Dixon ended up getting the game winning catch nice. um but it's funny it's probably my best memory because like right before that game like no kidding I was talking to my coach, um, to David and we were watching, I think Canada. Yeah. I think we were watching Canada play. And, um, I think maybe Julie, Julie was, um, had her 5v1 or had her games. Like I was just watching how well they were playing. And there was like a lot, there was at this tournament, there was a lot of like 4v1s, 3v1s, like just amazing, uh, amazing playing. And, um, I remember watching it and thinking, I was like, and telling coach, I was like, I can never win against in those situations. I was like, I've done a 1v3, but that's the most. I think I just get too nervous. I can't do it. I remember saying that. And then I didn't realize that I had just done it after that game. <laughs> I didn't realize it was five of them. I think I thought it was three or four. And then after the the the, the match, someone was like, that was a good 5v1. And I was can like, agree, wait, what? it was five? Like, you're, <laughs> you're kidding me, right? Like, that was like three people. <laughs> like, so I just like, I completely blacked out. I was just so focused in that game that, Like I didn't even realize how many people I was up against because looking back at the video, I was like, I would not have played it like that if I was very conscious of like it being five people. So something in me just told me that I could do it. And I played against like any true strategy that you should have done in that situation.
0: That's awesome that you just didn't realize that it just kind of kicked into survival mode or, or just instinct and let your years of experience take over. And Oh wait, that was five. (laughs) Like I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Just like, so focused. You're just like, just get one person out, stay alive.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, um, Dominic had thrown that up as a possible uh, player of the court uh, clip and I definitely want to do that. I just wanted to do something a little bit different than the 5v1s and, and give it some some variety before we got back to it because I definitely want to, one thing I really loved about doing those is just breaking down the mentality and the mindset of the player as, you know, they're making these split-second calculations and, and movements um, and they, you see the outcome is like, they just won against incredible odds and in the highest stage right now mm-hmm. in dodgeball competition. So definitely, uh, have you on the list for that, but, um, kind of, kind of tease this one a little bit with, um, you know, you, you thought you weren't going to play dodgeball anymore, um, a while ago, but, um, is there anything that you're looking forward to post dodgeball? I guess I probably better phrase is like, what, what does life look like for you after dodgeball? I'm actually going to change the way that's
1: uh, really. I'll probably have more money. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh- <laughs> I actually have been thinking about this a lot recently um I thought when I was younger when I first started really getting into dodgeball that I would probably stop when like I got married or like if I had a a kid or something or if my career just like didn't allow for it um but now I'm actually I think I'm approaching the end of my road to dodgeball um Mm -hmm. I've just been thinking about other things I want to try because I'm always like dodgeball has been the one thing I've done for the longest. technically been playing for this for 10 years um I've never done anything or been committed to anything this long like any sport or anything because I I didn't play like kids sports growing up I just played in school um and I kind of miss doing random things um like I used to be on a dance team I miss boxing I miss trying out like just new things and recently I've been joining just random like volleyball teams or random um random just sports local leagues and trying new sports out here or just new activities where I completely meet a new group of people. Um, and I think that that's where I'm heading is just like probably finding another hobby, um, whether it's active or not, just finding something new that I could learn and get passionate about.
0: Gotcha. Well, hopefully it's not too, too soon from now, but, um, if it is glad I got you when I did. So, um, yeah, that's like I said. That that's a self-serving question. Very very selfish of me to ask that of people because I'm trying to get ideas for like what does life for me look like once dodgeball's over. But um, so the next question is, um, what do you want to achieve, achieve in dodgeball, and what has pushed you to get better up to this point?
1: Um, what do I want to achieve? That's kind of changed recently. Um, I think before I hurt Miami, you know, I really wanted to be someone that some that people knew. Like like I wanna be like a you know, Brenda Kramer, Paige Peterson, uh, Julie McLaren, like Linker Patrick. I don't know, like you know, just people like that if they ever posted free agent for any tournament, they'd be gone in a second. Like they're not the type of people to post free agent because of course they're not, like they have a team, people ask them. Right, Like that's what I aspire to be is just like one of those players that people want, um, or people admire. Um, but after I like kind of hurt my knee, I like, was like, ah, oh, I don't want it to be about me anymore. Like I just, I was like, I just want to be like influential to someone like, um, whether it's through coaching or whether it's like something like through dodgeball, to help someone in life. Like I just, like I wanted to just make that kind of an impact now in the dodgeball community. I guess just something more personal instead of something that's like a trophy.
0: Nice. What did? Um, why? Why do you think the injury caused that? Was it because you had to sit out for a little bit and you thought about it more, or is it just like a? I think because I, I
1: realized. I mean, I know people say twenty nine is not old or whatever. I just like in that moment, like as I was healing, I was like, I realized my age. I realized how long I've been playing. Um, I'm just like, uh, like I, I'm starting to head in the direction where like, I don't want, like I'm injured. And my first thought was like, I can't play anymore today. Like it shouldn't be that way. I should be worried about my body. Like, I was like, is I just really noticed myself in the direction that I had gone where I didn't want to go when I started playing competitive, which is like just losing the love of the sport.
0: Gotcha. That's interesting how certain like life events can, can kind of change your outlook and perspective and and uh, priorities in life. Um, it's funny you said that because I, I kind of, this was one of the questions I was trying to figure out how I was going to word this one because I don't know if you remember, but we had, we had talked at Sin City in the after party on Sunday and you were just talking about like how, um, what it felt like being a captain for Venom, how meaningful it was to have players still want to play with you, I think. Um, does that sound familiar at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I always talk about this. I tell them too.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, I'm glad you remember that because I it's fuzzy. But um, if if you kind of want to rehash the the first part of that and just kind of explain that a little bit,
1: um, it's just um, yeah, it's it's nice because, like I said, when I started Venom, um, I wanted a team that would stick together and that would grow, because those are the best teams, you know, that is women who not only play well together and, and it's not just a talented team. Um, they're like best friends off the court. You know, they're there at like weddings they're there at like the birth of children, like baby showers and stuff. Good times, bad. Like they're, they know each other's families. Right. Um, so like for me going into my third season and really the only roster changes that we've had are due to, you know, people going back to school. And so we're replacing them kind of a thing. That's the only reason our roster has changed. Um like that's a good feeling is and not only that but like this past season you know we were like okay who's a free agent just to see who's out there and we had a lot of people reach out to us and that was kind of nice to have people want to play on our team um and not only that but like to be able to like say no to people which is like not, not I don't mean that in like a bad way but like be able to say no to people because like my teammates are sticking around still and they still want to play on this team and they still have the same vision and the same drive and um, sense of like loyalty and commitment. Like it's, a, it's really nice to like finally see that goal come true for me in dodgeball. is now I'm going to go into my third season with the same women's team. Obviously with a little bit of roster change, but like essentially the core is still there.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, and I totally get what you mean about like not having, or unfortunately having to say no because like it is a good feeling when people want to play on your team either with you or with the the team that you built following you know like the same vision and and mission and purpose and whatnot um not that you want to exclude people but it's just good to have that versus the opposite where you're, you're just trying to find somebody to play so totally get you on that one um and it's also really cool when, like, you mentioned, like, people are are involved in each other's lives outside of the court too. I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things that's um, is a huge contributor to the better teams out there. I would, I would mm-hmm. always use Doom as a perfect example because you always see them mm-hmm. at each other's like parties or at their kids' parties or their kids' events, and like even to this day, I imagine they're still best friends. Like, there's something really awesome that somehow translates to dodgeball effectiveness and efficiency. And it's, it's so crucial. So to be able to build that, too, on top of bringing people into the sport and getting them to get better um, is huge. And it's, it's awesome. And I feel like, you know, just going back to what you said already, like, that that's what's going to make the big difference in bringing in more players. So um, that's definitely something I wanted to, to make sure that we talked about um, when you were explaining it um, a couple of weeks ago back in Vegas. But Yeah. Um, Final question is um, What is your favorite dodgeball memory to date? So, we covered quite a few awesome things, but is there one that stands out the most so far?
1: Uh, favorite dodgeball memory to date? Uh, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a tough one. I thought I had one.
0: I was like, I gave you a warning too. Like I gave you the the top the tough I know, ones first, and I thought so I had one. To, to I thought global. it would
1: come to me by now, <laughs> and it has not. I, the only thing I keep thinking about is the fact that my mom went to like all my tournaments. Um, you know, the other the only, the first country that she visited besides like Mexico and the United States um, after she got her citizenship was going to see me play in Toronto. Um, and so I really just those memories of her traveling that it sticks with me because like in a way she was able to travel because i played the sport and i kind of forced her to come watch me so nice like nice. yeah that's that's kind of my favorite memories is she's able to watch and she's actually cheering and she knows the game and she asks questions and like she was actually genuinely interested in something weird that i was doing
0: that's awesome i actually just had this crazy it probably never happened but like the moms of dodgeball and podcast because uh it'd be interesting to know like what their point of view is like it's you know it's one thing to sit in the stands and like you know you're sitting next to other players like okay we're obviously we all know what's going on but if you listen to like someone that you have no idea who they are like there's somebody's mom or dad or somebody wandered off the streets and watch and they're getting excited like that's the coolest thing to see but um cool i i also um wanted to mention um you are responsible for the replacements team that we kind of formed um, last year from the classic. I don't know if you remember that, but. Um,
1: oh I think... yes, I am responsible. For
0: <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you for that opportunity to play on the classic because I thought I would completely missed out again. And then um, being able to, to do that and form the team really got me uh, close to Alicia, Kate, um, Hooch, and even though he's from here um, and some of the other players that we just kind of formed this like, We'll play when we can.
1: Yeah, it was was crazy. Everything leading up to that, honestly, like I was so determined to play, and we collected all these people, and then, you know, events transpired, and team broke apart, and everyone just started leaving, and I was like, oh my god, I was like, I'm so sorry, Hooch, but I was like, I cannot travel all the way from New York without like certainty that we're gonna have a team, and so I just kind of, I was like, I'll help you rebuild it, but I can't do it.
0: (laughs) Yep. Well, you gave us. you gave us a really fun team to play on, and it was, you know, I talked about the the classic from uh, this past year, and what a blast that was, and I was like, oh man, I completely forgot this is all Ashley's fault, this is awesome, It worked <laughs> out really well for me, so thank you for that, and thanks for being a good influence on the sport in general, but um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's all I have, so I think we'll go ahead and end the interview there. All so that was my interview with uh, Ashley. And Ashley, thank you so much for not only being willing to hop on, not only willing to be on so late uh, on the East Coast time, but also being patient and allowing me to actually take my time with this one. Not saying that I don't for other um, interviews, but I definitely wanted to just be able to speak to the vast history that you have, Uh, the fact that we go back as far as Phoenix Dodgeball. And you mentioned some OG names like the Grand Canyon State Games and AZ Dodgeball and uh, Delta Delta Die. Uh, Ballbusters, like it, it was something i really just wanted to dive into and uh knew the time would come when i was ready for it and that was now so i will refrain from saying other stuff because i know i go into crazy tangents and we're already past the hour 45 mark so if you are still with with me at this point thank you so much for doing so thank you so much for your questions and for listening and for your support and as always have a great uh rest of your evening a great weekend and we'll see you next time you up much later but thank you so much for for being willing to hop on and um yeah i'll get this out on friday and uh we'll go from there
1: Ooh, so, we finally did it
0: finally did it it was, it was worth the wait i wanted to take my time on this one so glad we could. <laughs>